Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast. This episode is Helpline with Mothercraft nurse extraordinaire, Chris Minogue. If she can't help you, nobody can. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Hello and welcome to Helpline on Feed, Play, Love with Mothercraft nurse, Chris Minogue. It's your time every week where you can um, put your questions to Chris, whether it's about trying to get your baby to sleep through the night, that elusive dream, or it could be something about starting solids, or even there might be behavioural issues for your toddler or your small child or siblings. Chris is here to answer your questions, and the way to ask her is by putting your comments below the Facebook video. If you're watching us via Facebook, if you're listening via the podcast, you can email us at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. Chris had last week off. I did. How was it? It was brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) She had a lovely time. I did. All right. Well, let's get cracking now because people are wanting your advice. How dare you take that <laughs> off? Um, this first question comes from Kylie via email. Yeah. She has this. Uh, actually, this is about seizures. I should ask okay. you: Are you comfortable answering that, or should we leave that one? For um, it depends what the relationship is to the seizures. Okay, well, because obviously have... that's a medical. A medical thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's have a question. Uh, let's ask the question and see what you think. So her little one has seizures. Yeah. She's two years, three months. She yep. had her first febrile convulsion, okay. which is yeah, from fever, yeah. um, when she was 15 months old. Last week, she had an absence seizure yep. and a febrile yep. convulsion four yep. hours apart. Are they both yep. fever related? Uh uh, one is, the other one isn't. So okay. absence is where they get into that starey state. Okay. Yeah, so that's a bit different. All right, let's see how we go. She goes to daycare two days a week, so I know she's going to have plenty more fevers in life, so I feel like I need a bit of a plan. Yeah. Uh, the doctors have told me that next time it happens, I need to call an ambulance, film yeah. the seizure, yeah. and administer a medication if the seizure lasts for longer than five minutes. That's right. So far, I've managed to stay really cl- calm during these episodes, but I've never been alone or needed to time the seizure or administer any meds. I'm struggling to figure out how I do all that stuff if I'm alone while obviously prioritizing keeping her safe. Yeah. I get some lead time when she's about to go because she acts really drowsy and odd. Mm. She tells me she wants to go to bed and wants her sleeping bag. Mm. Last time it was four hours into her six-hour wake, wake time, which rang alarm bells. I had about 15 minutes to get home and she was in her cot on her side for the first and on the couch for the second. When it comes to ensuring that she isn't restrained during a seizure, does that mean that if it happens in the car, I should pull over and get her out of the seat and onto the ground? And if it starts in the pram, should I do the same? It really depends. My sister had exactly this and she grew out of them as she got older, which is a really common thing that happens depending on where the seizures come from. But, you know, as children get older... They don't have as many fevers, so they have less of them. The absence one is similar to what my sister had. Um, I think you have to be safe. So if she's having a seizure in the car, in the car seat, at least she's safe. You know, you can see it, you can time it, and we're safe. You'll pull over. And I suspect that when you talk to your doctor, they'll say, don't get her out of the um, the strap in until she's calm and relaxed again, because they seem quite short in nature. So I think they're more about the timing of them and making sure she's safe and filming them if she's in doubt. 
Um, and it's a really difficult thing. I think lots of parents struggle with this, and especially when they go to daycare. They, they want to make sure that their child's safe at daycare and that everybody's aware, and they often do um, in services. If there's a child that has a similar issue like this little one does, they'll have an in-service to the whole group so everybody knows what to do. So I suspect uh, you have to make sure that everyone is safe. So if you're in the car and you're suddenly distracted, you have to make sure that you pull over safely, then either video it if you need to video it or just wait until she's softened and stopped. They often drop into a sleep and then maybe get her out and make sure she's okay. And with the pram, would you say? I think the pram is a little bit different because you could relax the pram to a laying down position and then just loosen the belts. And uh, I think hers don't look like the thrashing type. She just drops into this sort of, from a starey state, drops into a sleepy state. Mm -hmm. Um, That seems to be, and she might twitch a little. So I think in the pram I'd lay it down because if you get her out and she's thrashing, that could then be dangerous to both of you. Um, Or you may not have somewhere safe to put her, like you might be on cement. You don't want to put her down on cement. So I think this is one where you have to assess it and keep speaking to your doctor about them and they'll give you more. Um, There's lots of help groups out there to help them as well. So I think you're asking really good questions and I think your common sense will come over it. And I can't actually even remember my sister having one in the car or in the pram. So it tended to happen when they were overtired. She does have one more question. She says... um She's optimistic that it might just be an annual occurrence flu season. So next time she might not be in a nappy. Do kids always lose control of their bladders and is it just bladder or bowels too? It's It's generally just bladders and they generally, they do just, you know, have a little wee or do a little wee. That's really common in all sorts of seizures. So not to worry about it and not to make a big deal about it. And as mm. you as you sort of recognise, they're going to get less and less frequently. So hopefully this is just this 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 year and then next year she'll be more developed and, and may not have as many of them. And always when they stop toilet training, you have mm. an extra pair of undies yeah. in anyway. <laughs> yeah, you'll be carrying, where you carried nappies, you'll be carrying undies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, good luck So with hopefully that, that helps, Kylie. Yeah, mm. it sounds scary though. I'm yeah. glad you're on top of it. This one's from Gemma. It's an email. My daughter is now 19 months old and for the past two weeks, her daytime sleep has been very short, 35 to 40 minutes, and her morning wake time keeps getting earlier and earlier. Our routine is bed at 7 and she used to sleep until about 6, 6.30, but now she's waking at around 5 and instead of waking happily, she wakes up crying, Mama, where are you? Until I go in and get her. Because it's so early, I've been taking her into bed with me where she wriggles and talks until I finally get up at around 6. She has lunch at 12 and I put her down for a sleep at 12.30. She usually takes around 15 minutes of wriggling before she falls asleep. But on some bad days, she will not lie down and stands in her cot screaming and crying, Mama, where are you? I tend not to go to her into her as I feel that seeing me makes her even more upset and I feel terrible hearing her cry out for me. But I feel terrible crying. Yeah. Hearing her cry. She was having one and a half hour naps waking at around 2.15. She was waking happily from her day sleeps, but now she immediately cries out, where are you? My husband has been working away from home for the last month, maybe something like anxiety, separation anxiety is going on? No, I think this is there's a sort of a stage in children. Her timing is beautiful. Like all the timing's right. I think you've got all the sequencing right. She's 19 months and she can say, mummy, where are you? So she's obviously, you know, got a really good depth of language. 
and now she's using the depth of language. But there comes a point in a little toddler's life where they realise that when you go outside the door that you're just out the other side. So uh, there's a point where you put them to bed and you shut the door and they just go to sleep. They don't think about where you are. And I think she's just put language, really good language skills for 19 months and, um, you know, the ability to understand that you're on the other side of the door. You're out there. They can hear television noise, maybe even soft talking and stuff like that. So I actually think you're doing the right thing. I don't, I wouldn't change anything. And when she says to you, mummy, where are you at 5.30? You could always say in my bed asleep. Um, but <laughs> I don't think that'll help. But I actually think you are doing the right thing and ignoring it to the best of your ability. And at that point where you feel you have to go in, I just, at this age, I would just go to the door frame and say, put your head down, it's time for sleep and then walk out. And that gives you a bit of reassurance. She isn't, you know, half climbing out of the bed or something. And it also gives her a bit of reassurance and said, yeah, you are outside the door. But you're right, if you pop your head in, she'll be a lot, when you shut the door, she will be a lot more agitated. So I think you're doing the right thing. I think um, she's got an awareness of where people are and she's got really good language development for 19 months to be able to say, Mummy, where are you? If she's that clever, is she old enough for a grow clock or is she still too little? I've never really seen a grow clock. Uh, The smart children with a grow clock, they just bring it in and show you that it's orange (laughs) or blue or whatever colour. They think it should be. <laughs> Time to wake up, yeah, man. that's right. So, well, they tell you it's not the colour they want it to be. So, I think this is just more her awareness and really good speech development. All right. Yeah. I'm not sure what to say to you, Gemma. Good luck. Good luck and keep doing it. Keep yes. doing what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. We have a question from Facebook from <laughs> Kerry. Yeah. How can you get two to three year old to sleep at seven a.m. and stop sucking fingers? How can ah. you to sleep? To, oh, sorry. How can you get them to sleep until seven a.m. and to stop sucking fingers? Can I okay. answer the seven a.m. one? Yeah, yeah. You can't get them to sleep. That's right. <laughs> sorry, Kerry. Yeah, I know sorry, this because I was going to say this. Yes, you know the lot. answer. But that's true. If they're waking up around six o'clock and they're going to bed at seven seven thirty, what are they two two to three? Then it's reasonable that six o'clock, eleven hours later, that they would be up. So um, the seven a.m. thing is a wishful thinking. You can tell them that, you can get grow clocks, but they'll just keep telling you it's not that time. Uh, the sucking of the fingers is a different thing because that's self-soothing. So that's a bit like sucking a thumb or a comfort toy or a dummy. So sucking the fingers, the so depending on their speech development, uh, usually I just do gentle reminders. So say they're sitting in front of the television, they're self-soothing by sucking their fingers, then I just go up and, and I take their hand down And then I put something in their hand to do. So something like you might give them some blocks or a ball to play with or colour in while you're watching television. What it does is distract them out of that behaviour. But it is a self-soothing act. So they'll probably do it a lot when they're tired. But where you can see them doing it, just really gentle um, reminders. We don't suck our fingers while we're, you know, watching telly or something like that. And then I just gently bring their arm down. But then I might say, can you do this colouring in for me? And it just distracts them out of the behaviour. And then eventually they stop sucking their fingers. Good luck with the 7am because if you can come up with that answer, you, you'll earn a lot of money. But yeah, because I was about it's to perfectly say, reasonable. Kerry, if you can work out how How I can get my children, (laughs) they will sleep. Like even this morning, they have to get up at six to get to school on time. And without fail, both of them, especially my son, will sleep past six on a weekday. And I have to wake Wake them up up. gently. 
Not the same on a Saturday. But their weekdays They'll are so busy. They'll get up at 6 a.m. on a Saturday. Yeah. But they should be tired. They no. They don't want to get tired, Chris. No, but they're tired on the day, not on the week. <laughs> so it's, and it's not good, Kerry. I'm with you, but and the, you can't The other it. thing about the 7 a.m. thing, the children that I have seen that sleep till 7 a.m., Mm. They always slept till 7am. They did it from when they were babies. So it's not something that they just start doing as they get better. It's something that they do genetically all the the time. They're just sleepers. That's what they should do when they're talking about genetic modification. Not the the colour of their eye or their hair. How long they sleep. Can you get my child to sleep till 7? Let's see if there's a gene for that. (laughs) Sorry, Kerry. We we know you want to sleep, so do we, but it's it's a bit hard. Um, The next question comes from Steph on Facebook. Thank you for your help in the past. I was wondering how long my 10-month-old should be napping in the day and what timing would you recommend? So a 10-month-old is usually awake for a three to three and a half hour window. So usually from the morning, so from the wake up in the morning, it's a three-hour window, a one-hour sleep. From when he's woken from that first sleep of the day, it's a three and a half hour window, then a two-hour sleep or a good hour and a half to two-hour sleep. And then usually they'll go down at seven. So it's a three-hour window, one-hour sleep, Three and a half hours, another sleep. It's usually about three and a half hours from that sleep to when you put him down at about seven. So that rhythm will stay in place until he's about 14 months old. All right. Good luck, Steph. The next question from Facebook comes from Rachel. Uh, My two-year-old is obsessed with her comforter, will not do anything without it. Is that okay or do we need to encourage some comforter-free time? Well, now that she's about to, we'd start doing the comforter free time. So usually what we would say is that our comforter is for our bed. And when we're out of our bed, we don't have the comforter. So because otherwise they turn around and they're dragging it everywhere and it's getting dirty and, you know, you have to wash it six times a week and all those sorts of things. So what we have to do is get her to self-soothe. This is a bit like the finger sucking thing. So we need her to self-soothe in other ways. So we'd start saying to her, say she's still in a cot, which she's just two, so she should be still in a cot. So we ask her to drop her comforter before you get her out of the cot. Now, this takes a little bit of time and patience, but you need to put Ted on the bed before I can get you out. And then you'll see a struggle. She'll look at the Ted as if to say, well, surely Ted's coming with me. But we get her to put the Ted down and then we get her out. And then when she asks you about Ted in the day and you've used distraction and removal and she's still asking about it, you just say, well, mummy will have to put you back in the cot so you can have some time with Ted. And you literally put her back in the cot and you'll see her sit there and self-soothe a little bit and then get out again. And then, and then after a while she just forgets about it and she just has it when she goes to bed so I know two very beautiful boys who are now eight and they have their Ted but only in bed (laughs) (laughs) I love it okay this question comes from Jessie she has a 15 month old daughter who thinks going grocery shopping is a playground I can't keep her in the trolley seat because she stands up and I can't get her to stay down I find it very hard to shop when I have to hold her most of the time or I'm always having to put things back and chase after her all the time. (laughs) Any advice would be a godsend. My partner also works away, so I have to have her with me. Any advice would be great. Shop online. 
So online. online. <laughs> That's a good one. It's actually very hard to ask a 15-month-old to sit and go around a place where there's lots of colourful things that you can just swipe off with your hand. So I think it's a difficult age. If you actually look around Coles, Woolies or wherever you go shopping, you don't find lots of toddlers there for a reason because they're destroying the place. So I think you need to set yourself up. Maybe if you're, depending on where you live, you can do the bulk of the shopping online and then you're only going in to get a few things and getting out. I think you'll have that time. Some people stand them in the trolley, but all they do is unload your trolley then. You know, you find it all over the floor and everywhere else. I actually think that this is a difficult task to do with this age group because this age group's on the move and when I've got all these colourful things around me, it's just too hard to do. So I'd set up a little bit of online shopping if you can so that the trips you're making are really short and you're just going and getting two things and getting back out again, which you could probably do in the pram. You know, mm. you can pick up those four things, then go through. Yeah, and strap him in. Strap, strap him in, in so she first. can't. <laughs> and then, you know, hand her something to hold on to just to keep her hands in so she doesn't swipe the, the aisles. Um, but I think it's a very difficult age to take a child shopping to do a full shop. Mm. Mm. Very Online tricky. shopping. Online shopping. Good luck, Jess. <laughs> the next question comes from Akila. Um, everyone is telling me my three-year-old should be toilet trained. He's totally not interested. How should I be getting him interested to start? He can tell me he's dry but shows no interest in the toilet or potty. So the first thing I do is take a break and not talk about it. So he's three. He will get there. But what I would do is reset and go back to the beginning so that it isn't a pressure for him to do because he's sort of dismissed it because probably people have been talking about it or making him do it. So for the next two weeks, wouldn't even talk about it, would not even engage and ask everybody else not to talk about toileting, especially if he goes to daycare. After two weeks, we're going to start to retrain him. So we're going to start with toilet timing. So for the first week, you just put him on the toilet before he has um, a bath and you don't tell him he needs to do anything. You just say, I need you to sit on the toilet while I'm running the bath because incidentally, he'll probably do a wee and then we've got the connection going. The next week, we increase it to three times a day. The next week, we increase it to four or five times. Boys notoriously only go to the toilet at the very last minute. So that's probably more three times a day. And then say to him, okay, this weekend we're only going to wear our little undies and I need you to tell mummy when you need to go to the toilet and see if we can make that connection. And it's a weekend where you're staying at home. So don't put any pressure on him. Don't think he's going to drive in the car to grandma's place and then go to the toilet at grandma's place. We need a quiet weekend at home to put it together. If it's a warm weekend, not really going to happen but if it was a warm weekend I'd put a t-shirt and no undies on him because then he'll feel the sensation of needing to go to the toilet and he'll start to run to the toilet so it's a good trick with boys to do so let's take the pressure off him and then restart the whole thing again and see how far you get. Mm. And what's your opinion, you know, with this idea that people say a three-year-old should be toilet trained, particularly when it's a boy, what's your take on that? I do think the boys toilet train better when they're closer to three um, it's like it all comes together for them. And because they're very distractible as two to three-year-olds, they get stuck in the building of the blocks and then, oops, I've had an accident. Whereas when you go closer to three, they really get it really quick. Whereas girls, you could do girls at 
two and a half and they get it. And I think it's got to do with not wetting princess pants more than anything, more than more than anything in the world. <laughs> My daughter wouldn't but wear princess pants. If you pants. look at boys and girls, and you know, I know there's people out there gender neutral. Girls talk faster than boys do. We know that. We know that through a whole lot of things. So I think personally, when you see a child toilet training, they've got enough language to tell you what's happening, and mm. that's when the connection comes. Because I don't. So whether remember. it happens at three or three. Three and a half. I think so. it's more that they've got to be ready for it and that we don't pressurise them into it. Because I'm pretty sure my daughter learnt before my son yeah. and I don't remember him being toilet trained before three. No, I think... totally fine now. I usually, for boys, I usually go the third summer. Yeah. You know that they've been born. You go into the third summer because then they're quite happy to do a wee on the grass or on a tree or something. <laughs> and they think that's highly fascinating. So they want to do it again. And there's another Don't trick. Encourage this that. is a trick you can do with a three-year-old boy. You put a ping pong ball in the toilet and then you get his dad to take him to the toilet and they have a peen who can oh, pee <laughs> on there. That works like a treat. <laughs> That's disgusting. Well, don't fish it out. Get them together there. But that peeing game, that works like a dream. You've never done the peeing yet. No. You're going to send Daniel in with that. Thank God my son week. is already toilet trained. Um, and he's five, so yeah. I'm not making any judgments there. Chris Minogue and Helpline on Feed Play Love will be back answering more questions right after this. Parenting, they say, takes a village. People often ask me, what's your main job as a midwife? I say, my job is to keep fear out of the door. What's the best response when you're lost for words? Silence. Feed Play Love is the bite-sized parenting podcast that's a village in your pocket. Short interviews with experts and real parents about everything from managing tantrums to making sure you get regular date nights. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Feed Play Love. Now, back to your questions with Helpline and Chris Minogue. Another question from Facebook's from Bron. Yep. My son is almost four months old. He goes down for the night around 7.30 to 8. He's fed to sleep, feeds a couple of times overnight, but wakes at 5 a.m. We change nappy, chat with him until around 6 when he shows tired signs. Mm. We then re-swaddle and put him back to bed and he sleeps for another hour or so. This is pretty exhausting. Yeah. Sounds like it. Is there something we can do? Note, he goes to sleep at the beginning of the night in his side cot, but after his first wake is in our bed. That's from Bron. Okay, so Bron, I think he's just getting lots and lots of different messages there. He goes to bed in the, in his co-sleeper beside you, then he's in your bed, gets some feeds, feeds to sleep, has a chat to you at five in the morning, or you have a chat to him, whichever way that goes, and then he wants to go back to sleep. So I think there's just a lot going on for him. So it's probably because he's four months old and he's getting closer to probably a four-month-old fitting in a side into a co-sleeper, depending on the size of it. You're getting closer to thinking he's going in a cot. So I'd probably start converting the side sleeper into a bassin back with its sides up. So he's getting used to that. And the, for the next week, I'd just keep putting him back in his bed. So he needs to go back in the bed after you've done your feeds at night. And then from there, now we've got the connection with his bed. So at five o'clock when he wakes up, you'll be able to feed him and put him back in the bed. And then he'll go back to sleep. So I think he's just getting a few different messages. And we're just going to round them off into the same message. that This is where you sleep beside mummy, not in the bed. Because otherwise, unless you're happy to have him in the bed... Um, I think the problem will be is he'll get confused and when he goes into the cot, you're going to have a lot of problems with him going in the cot. So let's bring it into a consistent pattern of popping him into his bed beside you but making the bed into his uh, proper sort of bassinet 
and then at five o'clock in the morning, don't start talking to him. So either feed him and put him back to sleep or get him up for the day. And how many days or nights should she... I think it'll probably take her about three or four nights just to get him sleeping back into the co-sleeper beside her. And then I think it's still going to take a few more days for him to realise that you're not going to talk to him at five o'clock in the morning and you want him to go back into bed. But the good thing at the moment is it's pretty dark at five in the morning. So it's it's an easy message to give him than a baby in the summer where it's starting to get much lighter at that five in the morning. So let's, let's not engage him at five in the morning and put him back to sleep again. Okay. Good luck with that, Bron. This question comes from Whitney on Facebook. I have a five-month-old boy who isn't a fan of his crib, so he sleeps in his rocker. How do I get him to sleep in his crib? And how long is too long to let him cry it out? Also, he falls asleep around 9 p.m. We wake him at midnight to feed him, and then he sleeps until 6.30 a.m. How do I get him to eat earlier and still sleep through the night? The late-night feeding is exhausting me. I also have a two-year-old daughter. Okay. So there's a few things going on there again. He's been going to sleep in an upright position and you're trying to get him to sleep in a lay down position. So this is similar to the question beforehand. So he gets this message, I assume, in the day that he sleeps in the rocker in this sort of this sort of um, upright position. So when you go to put him in the bed, he doesn't know what to do. So in this case, I'd take a few few days and just get him keep putting him down in his bed. You're gonna have to stay with him, maybe do some rock shush pat to get him to go to sleep because he's probably been bounced a little bit in that rocker. So you've got to imagine that when you lay him into the cot, you've got to do a bit of bouncing. So put him on his side and maybe rock pat him to give him that movement to get him more comfortable with being in the bed. So that's the first thing I'd do. Wouldn't worry about the feeding. I'd get that part under control because his nights might be better if he's learnt how to sleep in his bed just off the bat. So then you put him down at, what was it, um, nine? Nine o'clock. So that's quite late. Oh, so wait, sorry. Uh, yeah. Long- he cries sleep around 9 p.m. And then at midnight. He and then away we go at midnight. So 9 p.m. is quite late. I'm not sure if he's awake between, say, 6, 7 and 9 p.m. or whether he's asleep. But um, it seems that he goes to bed for the night at 9. So you've got to start creeping that back to a reasonable time, somewhere around 7, 7.30. And, get, and I wonder whether he's going in the rocker in that period or whether he's gone into his bed. So I'd start where he has a feed around six, seven, start putting him in his bed from there. And that might decrease that nine o'clock and get him to sleep through till 12 or one before he has a feed. It's still reasonable that he would be having one or two feeds overnight at five months old. Okay, good luck, Whitney. This question comes from Tomoyo. says, I have a six-month-old boy who has one overnight feed every night. Since we stopped second overnight feed about three weeks ago, he wakes up at 4.20 a.m. pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. Last night, though, he woke up at 3, 4.25, and then 5.10. You must be really awake right now, <laughs> Tomoyo. Is this the start of something extremely bad? <laughs> Poor thing. Could do. <laughs> uh, about the 4.20 a.m. waking, is this something we can stop? Why is this happening? He seems to go down smoothly with gentle padding. He follows your book on routine with slightly later time slots, 6.15, waking around 7.30, um, bedtime, 6.15, waking, Again, 7.30, 30, bedtime. bedtime. Day sleep around 8.30 a.m., then cat nap, then day sleep around 3 p.m. Yeah, perfect. That's mm. 
Perfect. I think the problem being... The three, four, four and five wake-up. Yeah, so <laughs> what you've done is you've dropped the second feed, we would drop the first feed so that you've still got a feed. So it's reasonable that a six-month-old could have a feed overnight. I think that's completely reasonable. But I think if you're feeding him at in the 9, 10, 11, he is hungry by 4, 4.30 in the morning. So what I would do is I'd actually resettle him on the first wake-up of the day, the night, sorry, the first wake-up of the night, so that 9, 10, 11, so that when he wakes at 2 or 3, you feed him and he sleeps much more soundly through to the morning. And then he'll push through that 9, 10, and he'll start to sleep from 7.30 when you put him down through to about 2 in the morning. He'll have a feed and then he'll sleep through till about 6, 6.30. So I think this is more that I'd flip it the other way around. So drop the early evening feed and put back in the um, sort of overnight feed and I think you'll have a much smoother sleep pattern. Okay, we have time for one last question. This one comes from Peter. I would love some advice and help with my seven-and-a-half-month-old baby boy. He's always been a great sleeper from day one. At bedtime, he would just we would just put him into his bed and he would self-settle. No crying, just fall asleep with a very rare exception. He pretty much started sleeping through the night at about three months and would have the odd night where he woke up, but after a feed, he would go straight back to sleep. At about five months, we moved him in from his bassinet in our room to his cot in his own room, and there were no problems at all. He was happy and kept sleeping well. At bedtime at night, between 6.30 and 7, I would feed him and he would fall asleep and then get back put into bed. If he woke, he would just fall back to sleep. About five weeks ago, we went on a little holiday for a week. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. It always starts was, with a holiday. <laughs> he was sleeping in the room with us in a porter cot overnight, <laughs> and then due to space... The porter cot got picked, packed up during the day and he napped in our bed. His bedtime varied a lot while we were away from 7 till 10 p.m. He also seemed to wake around 4 a.m. due to being cold and I would put him in bed with us until he would go back to sleep until 6 or 7. His daytime naps were good, sleeping between one and a half to two hours on average per nap. Since being home, everything has changed. His bedtime is still generally between 6.30 and 7, as it was before we went away. He normally falls asleep at night while being fed, which is what I've always done. Then when I go back to put him in his bed, he will wake up and cry and then won't settle unless he's patted to sleep. Overnight, he wakes two to three times crying and needs to be patted back to sleep. Um, Or sometimes he ends up coming into our bed if I can't settle him, in which case I cuddle him and pat him to sleep. I know this is probably sending the wrong message, but I am just exhausted. My husband works shift work, so he's rarely able to slash doesn't help. During the day, he cries every time we put him in his, he gets put in his cot. He won't fall asleep unless he's padded to sleep. He will sleep for one hour max in the morning, two and a half hours after he wakes up and half an hour over lunch, two and a half hours after his last, last sleep. If I'm lucky, he will sleep in the afternoon, usually on me after a feed. We use white noise in his room for all sleeps and he has a dinner, feed, dinner, bath, feed, bed, nighttime routine Feed, at night. dinner, bath, bed. Feed, feed? dinner, bath, feed, feed, bed, nighttime routine. Maybe there's wow. an extra feed in there accidentally. Um, I really don't know what to do and I'm feeling so lost. He's normally such a happy boy and he has become so grisly in the afternoon and evening from being so tired. Okay, my first statement for everybody out there is babies don't go on holidays, they just move house. (laughs) 
I feel for you, Peter, though. I feel it was for you, so too. amazing. And, and the just, second oh. fundamental mistake when we get, and I see lots of people with this problem, is they then think that after their baby's been sleeping in a room on their own, that they'll quite easily sleep in the room with them. So when you go in the room at 10 o'clock and go to bed as quietly as possible, you've started to wake the baby. Mm. So this is a classic fundamental we go on holidays and of course he will adapt into our room no he won't so that's like saying you'll adapt to having a two-year-old and you sleep in your bed and you know they go sideways instead of up and down so I think this has just unfolded from there and then we're going to go and put him back into it again so the really good thing is you've started to put him down and give him the patting so I think you've got to get the rhythm right so the the seven and a half month old, they stay awake for two and a half hours in the first window, then three hours, then three and a half hours. So only two sleeps in the day. And that might regulate his sleep in the day for you and get him back on track. I think you're doing the right thing. Put him in, let him have a whinge and a cry for a few minutes. Go in, pat, but only pat till calm. Don't pat him to sleep and then walk out. So think of yourself as giving him comfort, but not actually putting him to sleep. So first the rhythm. So the gaps in the day, then we're going to give him the gentle, you know, comfort by giving him the pat, which he knows. And then you're going to walk away when he's calm, leave him for a couple of minutes, then go back and do a little bit more. It's a little bit time consuming. Give yourself about three to five days. But if he was a good sleeper, he'll go back to being a good sleeper. And I think you need your partner's help. So you really have to have a chat to him about how he can help. He's a shift worker, which means he could also be off for a number of days and be able to help you. So choose the right timing to fix this so it's really consistent for him and a your good little sleeper will come back. Yeah, because he, he, he had that Yeah, yeah that's before. right. He has all the knowledge. I think, to be fair, he's just feeding off the chaos. Mm. You know, feeding so, off the chaos. Yeah, that just sounds like parenting life in a yeah. nutshell. <laughs> feeding off the chaos. <laughs> well, Peter, good luck with that. I hope you get your little sleeper back. This has been Helpline on Feed, Play, Love, hosted by me, Siobhan Hunt. If you want to ask Chris your questions for the next episode, you can email them to us directly. The email is helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. You can get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.